Well, good. Good morning, folks. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry, our musicians, you guys can head down. I think during the church, you guys got to head out here too, so they can, uh, they can be dismissed. Well, I really appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to, uh, to share with you this morning. Uh, Pastor, uh, Pastor John was gone for a few days this week, so he'd asked me to, uh, to share a message with you concerning, uh, concerning our graduates and things that apply to them uh, during, uh, during this time as they, they're making this transition. Um, it, it really is an amazing time. Uh, it's a fun time. In fact, you and I can, can even sit back and think, you know, what, what was going on in our own heart, you know, in our own mind when we were graduating, what, what, those, days, uh, what those days were like. And uh, what, what I want to share with you this morning, it might be something that some of you have, uh, have heard before. It's, it's going to be a little bit, a little bit different. Um, we're uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time in Joshua, and we're going to we're going to jump a little bit uh, in the text. Uh, we're not really going to land any place uh, too uh, too solid, but we're, I'm also going to have a couple of testimonies uh, at uh, at the same time. And uh, so, for forgive me if you get a little uh, sword drill whiplash as we as we move throughout the message. Hang in there with me. All right, we'll uh, we'll get through it. And uh, if uh, if you get lost, uh, just remember there's a uh, there's a lot of Italian food downstairs just waiting for you, okay? So hang, uh, hang in there with them. I, uh, I got no problem saying that um, uh, our culture, I, I think, really tends to put uh, a ton of stress on students as they're graduating from high school. It is uh, you, the, the, the stress to know exactly what, what you're going to do with your life and where you're going to go. And I, I do think it is an incredibly important quest for our students to pursue and to find out what, what God is calling them, uh, what God is calling them to do. Um, but uh, I, I think it's important that we all recognize uh, this. I've appreciated the two testimonies here from our guys this morning. You know, God doesn't always make it perfectly clear what is going to take place for the rest of your life when you're 18 years old. <laughs> and, I, and I appreciated the two testimonies. I just got to share with you, one was no more honorable than the next. And, uh, and I appreciate that. God shows himself and what he's going to do uh, in your life in different ways. He, he's got such a tailor-made special plan for each heart and each life. And as he reveals himself throughout their days and throughout their years, it's, that's, that's his design and, and his plan. And, and I think we can very easily put, put a whole lot of pressure on our, on our students to uh, to know that in a, in a big way. So I, I, I want to share with you the, the whole point of this message here right at the beginning, okay? Uh, but uh, I, I was listening to a, a Christian uh, comedian uh, not too long ago, and he was, uh, he was talking about traveling, he was talking about flying, and he was expressing, you know, how he was, he was, uh, he was going through Canada. And, and here, here's what he was saying to the audience, okay? He said, uh, I was talking to the customs person, and he said, let me see if you get this, uh, do you have any guns with you, or do you have any guns? Th- those are two different questions. <laughs> and he goes on. He goes on to say, "I'm from Texas, and I'm a comedian. What do you expect me to say to this guy?" So he says, "Yeah, I got guns. I got like 18 of them, <laughs> but but they're they're not with me." And he went on to describe how his stay in Canada was a little bit longer than what what he expected. But there's, there's two questions that, I, I mean, I would like to decipher this morning a little bit and encourage all of us to be asking God the right questions. 
uh, the, the pressure to find out what, what God wants me to do or what God has created me to do. And, and here's the point. Don't ask the question what God has made me to or what, what God wants me to do. Here, here's what I would encourage you to do. Ask this. What does God want me to do next? <laughs> See, th- th- those are two different questions. <laughs> one, one, one question says, what does God want me to do <laughs> for the rest of my life? which could be pretty complicated as, as a young person. The other one says, just what, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do next? Say for the next year. Say for the next few months. And, and, and we're going we're gonna to dive into the scriptures, and we're, we're going we're gonna to take a look at, uh, at Joshua. You could turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 3. And uh, as he leads and guides our graduates this morning, and uh, perhaps you're a graduate from, from college also, uh, I think it's incredibly important for all of us to, add, to answer the question, what, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do next? And uh, just to kind of set this up, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 3. And again, we're going we're to jump. And I, I just want to show you a pattern in Joshua that God was doing with him. But if you can just imagine, just, just stick yourself in Joshua's shoes a little bit. I mean, can you, can, can you imagine... All right, being the leader of Israel and following Moses, okay? I mean, if there, was, if, there was ever a, if there was ever a guy that had a ton of pressure on him, I would think in, in this transition into his life, you know, they come up to the Jordan, Moses dies, and now Joshua's, Joshua's, leading, Joshua's leading the Israelites, and he's, he's taken over from Moses. And, you know, Moses, Moses had a rough beginning, okay? Moses wasn't perfect. But for the most part, I, I think Moses, I think what God spoke to Moses, Moses was, Moses was pretty clear on what God wanted him to do. I, I don't think there was a whole lot of, a whole lot of hesitancy or, or uncertainty in his heart as to what God wanted him to do. Maybe in the beginning a little bit, but as you look at Moses' life, I think what God spoke to Moses, it was, I mean, it was pretty clear, and he knew exactly what to do. I, I don't think Joshua was like that. Uh, in fact, if you look in chapter 1, it actually, there's, there's four admonitions to Joshua to be, to be strong and courageous, just, just in chapter 1, just in chapter 1 alone. So uh, Joshua, Joshua was a different, a different character, and he knew, what, he knew what God wanted him to do. You're going you're to lead the Israelites, you're going to go in, you're going to take the land, you're going to destroy all the people that are in the land, and you're going to settle the land. That was... That was what God was calling him to do. But I, I can only imagine that Joshua had a, I mean, he had a thousand questions in his mind about, about how to do that. For one, just that, how do I do that? I mean, who do I, who do I attack first? I mean, how, how do we even get over there? Uh, who, who do I put in charge? Uh, um, what if all the people in the land gang up on me? Well, what if my own people gang up on me? He just watched Moses. He just watched that happen to Moses. I mean, dozens of times in the desert. And Joshua, I can only imagine, is thinking, "I, <laughs> I don't know if I'm cut out for this. I, I don't know if this is, if this is quite me or not." But that was that was his calling. And uh, in Joshua chapter three, I just want to show you a bit of a pattern uh, for this concept of not just finding out the long-term plan, but simply this. It's finding out what God wants you to do next. In Joshua chapter 3, look at, look at verse 2, and here's what it says. 
It says, after three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. And I, I know in some of your translations, verse 4, kind of it, it can get flipped around. It can describe the, the distance between the ark and you and going this way before. But I think the concept is still there. And I think it's great, actually, the way it, it puts it. When Joshua says, then you will know which way to go because you have never been this way before. When I think about our graduates, that, that's what I think about. That's what I remember in my own life. I'm going into something. I'm going somewhere I've never been before. It's kind of new ground. And I, I need to know where I'm going. I need to know which way to go. And I, I think that was, that was Joshua and that was his scenario. Uh, many of us know this story, but look, uh, look down at verses 14 through 16. And this was, this was his first step, if you want to say. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage, all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing it piled up in a heap in a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. This was, this, this was his first step, step of faith, if you want to say. There had to be a step into the Jordan for this to all take place and for all this to happen. Now, I, I want you to peek over at, at chapter 4, verse 1. That was the first thing that God had in store for Joshua. And I just want to show you a, pass, uh, a pattern. We're going to move a couple chapters pretty quickly. But here's what it says in chapter 4, verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua. That, that is a key phrase in these early chapters in Joshua. You see that a number of times, and we're going to keep looking at them. As soon as Joshua completes something, and in this scenario, it was, it was getting the people across, across the Jordan, you see that phrase. Then the Lord said to Joshua, God's showing him what's next. And then after that, look down at verse 4, and you see this. So Joshua, and in this case, it says, so Joshua called. So here's what you actually see. You see, you, you see the voice of the Lord coming to Joshua, and then you see Joshua, you see him taking action. And the very next scenario for these guys was to set up a memorial. And that's exactly what Joshua does. Chapter 4, the first half of it, that's what takes place. Now, do this. Look down at verse 15, chapter 4. And here comes the pattern. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priest carrying the Ark of the Testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded. And you start seeing this pattern over, over uh, uh, again, and that's exactly what they do. Look at, uh, look at chapter 5 and look at verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, 
make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So, Joshua. So I think it's really interesting that uh, each time the Lord gives him something to do. Man, it would have been great if Joshua knew the whole plan ahead of time. But that wasn't the scenario. You know what God did? God gave him a task. He spoke to him. He communicated to him. He wanted Joshua to know what was next. And then you see Joshua. You see Joshua responding. Um, and, uh, and, and that's exactly what you see take place. Now, uh, turn over to chapter 6 and look at verse 2. And we're going to see the same thing again. We're eventually, we're going to get to chapter 7 here. Chapter 6, verse 2, then the Lord said to Joshua, and God gives him the description of how they're going to take Jericho. Not the, you know, not the, what appears to be the best military strategy, okay, for taking a city. You walk around it, and the seventh day you walk around it seven times and you scream, okay? There, there, there had to be a better plan, but that's what God, that was the, ne- that was the next step. That's what God was calling them to do. And in fact, if you look down at verse 6 of chapter 6, so Joshua. (laughs) So he keeps pursuing the Lord, and he keeps obeying him and doing what God had directed him to do. Now, here's often what happens. As Joshua is going through life, and he is obeying the Lord, and he is following his his next step that God gives him, you know what? Sometimes life gets challenging. (laughs) Sometimes life gets difficult. And that's actually what you see in in chapter 7. Um, look at chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. When they returned to Joshua, they said, Not all the people will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it, and do not weary all the people, for only a few men are there. So about three thousand men went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. So you can imagine, you can imagine the confusion in Joshua's mind and in Joshua's heart. In fact, right here in in chapter seven, we're going to get a great look at we're going to get a great look at probably what was in Joshua's mind, what was in Joshua's heart. You know, maybe some of the thoughts that nobody sees about you and about me. You know how how we live our lives. But we get a great picture here about probably what was going on in his life. And I'm going to read verses 6 through 9, and I kind of want to interpret them as, 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 as I read them. So starting at verse 6, here's what it says. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. Yeah, verse 7. And Joshua said, Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what what can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people will surround us and wipe out your name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? I mean, do, do, do you see some of the desperation in his voice? It's almost, it's almost like saying, life is over, I can't go on, everything is horrible, everything is terrible. And uh, I, I think that's a little bit of who Joshua was when you, when you think about per, perhaps his character. I'm not going to try to pinpoint his personality, but I think that's what's going on in Joshua's heart and mind. Now, look down at verses 10 through 12, and I, I love the Lord's response. I love the Lord's response into all of this. In verse 10, the Lord said to Joshua, 
stand up. What are you doing on your face? <laughs> See, I, I would think to myself, well, well duh, as to why I'm on my face, we're, we're about to die. This is it. It's over. I, I mean, I knew we should have never even come in here in the first place. I knew we should have just been content on the other side. You see how the fear and the worry that's going on? And I love God's response. What, what are you doing on your face? <laughs> and look how God encourages him. In verse 11, Israel has sinned. And catch this. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. And, and here's the picture that I get with Joshua, okay? He's been on his face. He's prostrate. He's, he's desperate, perhaps. He's been in tears. He's a mess. And, 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 and the Lord gives him this message. I can almost see Joshua getting up and saying, uh, Okay, uh, sorry, did I say that out loud, God? <laughs> I could almost say, did, so I didn't really do anything wrong? No, not at all. You know what? Life gets challenging sometimes. <laughs> and here Joshua all the time is, is, is desperately concerned about, <laughs> about whether he's obeying. He's got this fear, he's got this insecurity, he's got this anxiety in his heart about whether he's He's truly following the Lord, and the Lord makes it real simple for it. There's sin in the camp. Get off your face. <laughs> Let's go deal with the sin in the camp. And that's exactly what you see happen. Joshua deals with Achan's sin. And look at chapter 8, verse 1. Here it is again. Then the Lord said to Joshua, look down at verse 3, so Joshua. <laughs> and we get right back to business. And uh, now... I know for most of us, and here's what I think we see in Joshua. The Lord is just giving him direction step by step by step. Most of us would like to know God's, can you give me the, can you give me the full plan right now? I mean, this, God, life would be a whole lot easier if I just knew everything. And if I knew everything, I would just do it. I mean, I would just walk in it. But if I could share with you one small verse here, a really short verse but, I mean, it is packed with truth, a right way of thinking for all of our lives. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says this, we walk by faith, not by sight. <laughs> That's how God directs us in life. That's how God directs us in life. God doesn't reveal everything at once. And secondly, just by way of illustration, I would say, I would say it like this. You can imagine, if, I'm, if I was up here holding a, a three-month-old baby, all right? I've got this cute little baby and this cute little child in my, in my arms, and I turned to it and I, and I said, you're going to climb Mount Everest one of these days. Uh, how do you think the baby would respond? <laughs> right? there, there, would be no, there would really be no response. In fact, the, ba- the baby wouldn't even understand what I was even talking about. <laughs> the baby's just, it's just a baby. Because he- here's why. It's actually the next, say, 25 years from that point to then where God is molding, God is shaping, God is preparing for the task of perhaps climbing Mount Everest. And uh, I, uh, I asked uh, Tyler Baker if he would uh, come up and, uh, and share a testimony with you. And uh, uh, he's also going to share a specific text that I think kind of addresses this idea of always seeing God's plan uh, uh, in advance. But I just appreciate Tyler and uh, what he's going to share. There's the yellow mic right there, man. 
Here we go. All right. As you guys know, I'm Tyler Baker. Uh, I am son of Bill and Jenny Baker. And uh, I grew up going to church here. Uh, and my junior and senior year, I was faced with a decision. Uh, what do I want to do with my life? Uh, I had the choice of either maybe going to World of Life or maybe joining the Air Force. That was tough. I didn't know what to do. But through a lot of prayer, uh, reading God's Word, and through wisdom of uh, just godly people, God showed me that I should go to first year at World of Life. And through first year, I had the opportunity to go to South Africa on a mission trip. And on that mission trip, God sparked an interest in my life to maybe do full-time missions work, but I wasn't sure. So I thought, maybe I'll go to second year, maybe at Word of Life, just learn more about God's Word and learn more about ministry. So, same thing. Through a lot of prayer, through godly wisdom, and God's Word, I ultimately decided that God wanted me to go to second year and learn about His Word. Through second year, I had another trip to go on to Brazil. And in Brazil, God re-sparked that interest in my life to maybe do full-time missions work. And so, I was facing another opportunity. What do I want to do next year? I had the choice of maybe coming home, working, maybe going to another school. I didn't know what to do. So through you know, a lot of prayer, the same process, prayer, God's word, and seeking wisdom, God showed me that I should go on this internship to Chile uh, through Word of Life. And that's what my plan is for next year. But one verse that really kind of uh, a missionary showed me in Brazil, uh, this really impacted my life, is Habakkuk 1.5. So let me find it here. Habakkuk 1.5 says this, Look among the nations, observe, be astonished, wonder, because I am doing something in your days you would not believe if you were told. And I, I don't know what, you know what in 50 years what my life's going to be like, but I can look back and say, God's done a great thing in my life. And I mean, even two years ago, if you were to say, I'm going to do an internship in Chile, I'd probably laugh at you and call you stupid or something like that, but I mean, I'm just, God's just done amazing things in my life, and the same thing for all you guys is, you don't know what God's going to have for you, but you can look back and just see that God's going to do great things in your life, just by going by faith in each step of the way. Thank you, guys. Cool. Thanks. You can set it right there. I, I appreciate Tyler. I remember being at high school, and we here today would go out to lunch and, uh, or supper to just talk and just listen to him talk, and to, to be a couple years down the road and see what, I, what I'm sharing with you right now, he's living out in his life. It's just finding out what's next. In fact, just to, and I appreciate that text because that particular text talks about, I'm going to show you something, even if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> you, you, want, you want to know why I don't think God shows you the big plan in advance? I think we would stick our tail between our legs and run and hide. Because <laughs> here's why. He, he's going to mold you and shape you throughout all of those times to bring you to the next place. And, and, and just to dovetail off of what Tyler said, I appreciate his testimony because he just, he just filled in the rest of my outline. And if we could put this up on the screen here right now. So, so, so what do you actually do? I mean, how do you, how do you get to this next step? What, uh, what, what, what are you supposed to do? Well, here's just a couple of short things. And these are basically what, these are basically what Tyler said. The first thing is this, is we have got to keep our relationship with Christ vibrant. It has got to be alive, and it has got to be fresh. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, a familiar text, but this is so good. Here's what it says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, 
to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. The first thing about keeping your relationship with Christ fresh is this, is you've got you to be a living sacrifice. You've got to be completely humble. I'm setting aside my dreams, my goals, my thoughts. God, whatever you want for me, that's what I want. That's a challenging place often to come to in your life. But, th- but that's where it starts. <laughs> to be a living sacrifice. And secondly, this is what it says in verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Folks, if you want to find out what God has for you next, we've got to keep ourselves from sin. That will get in the way of you finding out what God is calling you to do. Perhaps it's the way you speak. Perhaps Perhaps it's anger. Perhaps it's, perhaps it's your purity or whatever the case may be. But we've got to stay away from sin and being conformed to the pattern of this world. And the verse continues on by saying this, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's your time in his word and in prayer. And those are exactly some of the things that Tyler had mentioned. And a lot of us would like to say, you know, just, just, like, uh, just like you see happening with a person that's secretly giving out money across the nation. Have you seen some of that in the news? He hides some money somewhere and somebody goes and finds it. Wouldn't it be nice to find God's will that way? You know, there's an envelope, you know, in Hornell at the McDonald's, you know, underneath a red brick. Go find, oh, that would be great. I'll go check it out. I could read it and see it right there. That's not the way it works, though, does it? See, what God does is he gives us an attitude of our heart that needs to be true of us so he can make it very clear to us what he wants us to do next. And our relationship with him has got to be fresh. One of the biggest reasons why we don't want to be a living sacrifice is this. Is if, if, if I'm a living sacrifice that I completely follow everything just like God has in store for me, it's not going to be as good as, what, as all of my dreams and plans. And here's what I got to share with you. If I could just shout this. Listen, God knows you. <laughs> he knows you better than you know yourself. He's created you. He knows your temperament. He knows your gifts. He knows your abilities. And he has created this this design and this plan for your life to make it as fulfilling as possible. (laughs) And sometimes we just have a hard time believing that. We don't want to go through the Joshua chapter 7. We don't want to go through the challenging times. But he's building you (laughs) and molding you. And we... And we've got to be a living sacrifice. That's where it starts. Secondly, this is, this is what else I would say. I would say is this, is we've got to, we've got to be men and women of prayer. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 11, I'm sorry, uh, 29, verse 11, very familiar text. But I want to read actually 11 through 13 when it comes to finding out what God wants you to do next. Relationship with Christ has got to be fresh. Secondly is this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That, that's prayer. <laughs> As you communicate and you talk to God, laying out your heart, God, I do want your plan. I want to seek your face with all my heart. Prayer has got to be a critical part of that. Number three, I think this is incredibly important. Proverbs 15, verse 22 says this, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. I would say this, you've got to be talking to godly people. There are people that have gone before you. 
And actually, you know what? Whether you're 18 or whether you're 40, there is a godly individual probably in your life somewhere that has gone through what you've already gone to or what you're about to go through. And folks, we've we got to talk to those people. We've got to find them and look for advice and look for wisdom. There is wisdom in many counselors. And lastly, here, here, here's what I would say. And this one, I, I, I purposely put it last, but this is what I would say. I would ask you this question. What's your passion? What, what do you have a desire? What do you, what do you want to do? <laughs> What's in your heart to do? Now, I, I, I put that one last on purpose uh, because we, we can't pay attention <laughs> just to all the things that we want until all the other things are true of us. We've got to be a living sacrifice first. We need to have a vibrant walk with Christ and see a lot of, I think a lot of teachers, a lot of counselors, a lot of well, well, uh, well-intentioned people start with the last one. Well, we're just what do you want to do? <laughs> but we can't just start here. Our, our hearts are still, <laughs> they're still deceitfully wicked above all. Who can know it? And you know what? If we start right there with just, just our heart, folks, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. We could bring a lot of testimonies up here right now of people that say, you know what? There was a time in my life where I just followed my heart and the other things were true of me. But Psalm 37.4 actually says it really good. And it starts with, delight yourself in the Lord. That's all those first three points first. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And what we would like to know is I, I want a specific place. I want a specific name of a person I'm supposed to marry. And that's not all the case. All I can share with you is this. When we genuinely, when we genuinely pursue God with all of our hearts, with all of our soul as a living sacrifice, keeping ourselves from sin, pursuing his word, and in prayer with a genuine heart, listen to this. God will not let you fail. <laughs> He will not let you fail. In fact, the greatest success in life is not what you're going to do. It's it's who you are. That's your greatest success. And and, and I just want to lay I just want to lay aside the idea of what kind of job you got to get of 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 how much money you're supposed to make of of when you're supposed to get married or whatever the case may be. If we put before ourselves just who we need to be before God, I tell you what, he, he, he takes care of the rest. And uh, I, I just want to share, uh, you know, just to close and to finish up a little bit of, uh, uh, of my own testimony. And uh, I remember being a senior in high school, too, coming into my senior year. And uh, uh, I, I wasn't sure exactly what I was supposed to do. I, I had a desire for ministry. I knew that God had given me that desire when I was about 15. Uh, but I, I didn't know how to get there. I didn't, know who to, I didn't know who to talk to. That might sound weird to you. Well, you go to Bible college and you learn. I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> and, uh, and right around, at, just at the beginning of my senior year, here's what I find out. A lot of my friends had something to say. That, well, I've got to go to this college, I'm going to study this, and then my desire is to get a job at this place or this place. And here's what I found out. They would get a great reaction when they would share those kind of a things. And so here's what I figured out. Even though I had never gone through the process, truly, of finding out 
what God wanted me to do next, I figured this out. I got to have something to say. I, I, it just got to have something to say. So I like I like my art classes, and I had a small smidgen of uh, of talent, if you want to say. So here's what I would say. I'm from Northern Indiana. I'd say I'm going to go to Bethel College, and I'm going to I'm going to do uh, graphic art design. That's that's good. And so I started telling people that without going through the process of finding what God wanted me to do. And uh, and here's what I found. I got a great reaction to that, too. They would be like, oh, man, that's great. Wow, I could really see you doing that. I, I just think that's fantastic. And it did two things. Number one, I got a great reaction. But number two, it took all the pressure off of me. I was like, I don't have to worry about people bugging me anymore. I, t- I told people that for nine months until you get to June of my senior year. And... Uh, it all of a sudden occurred to me, I, I, I really have to do something. <laughs> I, can't, I can't just tell people something that will get people off my back or whatever the, case, whatever the case may be. So I did the only thing that I could think of. I applied to Bethel College to go to do graphic art design. And it was almost like, it was almost like I fell asleep in June and I woke up in freshman orientation. I don't know how I got there. All I know is here I am. And I'm, I'm kind of looking around at the people in this room, and I'm just thinking, what, what in the world am I doing here? <laughs> I, just, I just don't. And that's when gut check, gut check time came for me. I started diving into the Word, and I started, I started begging God. <laughs> Not because I was wise, but I was desperate. <laughs> and just started being in the Word. And after about two weeks, two weeks of being at Bethel College, uh, I just thought to myself, this, this is not where I belong. God began to move in my heart in a big way. And so here's what I had to do. I had to go home, and uh, I had to tell my mom. And this is what I said to her. I said, Mom, I don't think I'm supposed to, I don't think God wants me at Bethel College. Now, my mom and I didn't have the best relationship during those days. We never, like, yelled or screamed at each other. It, just, it was just not an ideal father and, 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 I'm sorry, a mother and son relationship. So, so here's what she said. She said, well, if you don't, if you don't go to Bethel, uh, I don't want you living here. Even if you find a job, I, I want you to leave. So now all of a sudden I'm faced with this, this decision. Do I, do I keep pursuing the unknown of following what God is calling me to do at all costs? Or do I just stick with a plan that it seems like everybody else is doing? And so I, I quit. And I found myself washing cars for $3.75. <laughs> I, I found this stinky apartment that would mortify all of you to even step into it. And it's like one of those Febreze commercials where they fill it full of junk, okay? My apartment didn't have Febreze. It wasn't around in 1990 or 89 or whenever it was. And uh, I was driving this, this rusty Toyota Tercel. I was renting it, too. I mean, it was on its last wheel. I didn't even own it. I was renting a piece of junk, all right? And I remember sitting in this apartment thinking, Corey, you are a loser. <laughs> I had no furniture, all right? There's three rooms. That I didn't have any plates or anything to eat off, let alone hardly any money to even, to even buy anything to, to eat. But in the back of my mind... I mean, I had this, I was so excited. I had this glimmer of, of, of hope 
and excitement of what, of what was coming up next. I mean, it, was, it almost looked a little bit empty, but I was so excited. And, and I want to share this verse with you in Proverbs. If I could, if Gary, if you could put it up there. Look at this text. I hope you love this as much as I do. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. Look at this. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. Man, ain't that great? <laughs> ain't that great? And God was teaching me that for the first time during those days. I washed cars for about, about five months, kind of doing my thing, staying in the Word, praying. I was going to church and uh, doing all I could to pursue God with, with my whole heart. And uh, a friend of mine uh, gave me a call, uh, somebody that had went to Word of Life Bible Institute about three years before me. And I, I didn't even know where he was. I don't know how he got my number. But all of a sudden, here I am. I'm on the phone with him. And this is what he says. Corey, you ought to think about going to Word of Life. And, I mean, in the eyes of my heart, they just kind of lit up. It's almost like a, a small shot of adrenaline. Trust me, I'm not saying that that's how you determine God's will when you feel that way. But as I was pursuing God, that's what he And I started asking some questions. And eventually, that's what God did with my life. That was my, that was my beginning step into the raging Jordan, so to speak. And I've been living that way ever since. In fact, I'm not quite sure how else I'm supposed to live. And some of you can testify. Some of you know. Uh, Corinne and I, we're kind of at that same place now. And I, I don't know if you know this, but it's been... Um, just by way of testimony, it's been about seven months that we have been looking for our next pastorate. That's, it's kind of, I'm getting itchy. I got to tell you, I really am. I mean, I want to, the plane's been circling too long. I want to land, okay? But if I, could, if I could just share with you just a couple other verses. Here's what Hebrews eleven six says this. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone that comes to him must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Man, ain't that great? <laughs> Isn't that good? And just to share with you one more quick text that the Lord's used in my heart over the past five months. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8 says this, I am the Lord who goes before you. I will not forsake you. I will not forget you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And here's the beauty of this. For all of us, you know, as you enter the next place in your life, and many of you have figured out already, this isn't just for 18-year-olds, is it? <laughs> you enter this place in your life all the time. Whether you're retiring or you're thinking about when am I going to retire, what am I going to do when I retire? As you're parenting, what's my next step for my child? What... What, what do they need to learn next? <laughs> or perhaps you're at a place where you've lost your job and I've got to find out what's next. I'm in that, I'm in that place my, myself. And I've got to share with you, I don't want to give you the impression that I'm just this, this solid rock that just doesn't move. That's not true of me. <laughs> Every once in a while, the feelings come along and I, I ask myself, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> What in the world are you thinking? But you know what it is? It's just like Joshua. Stand up. What are you doing on your face? 
brush yourself off. Pursue your Savior. And for all of us, the question for us to answer is what does God want you to do next? Father, we thank you for the pleasure of of being able to walk with you. What an amazing thing that you have, that you want us, that you want to guide us each step of the way. Father, as I think about the apostles praying and saying, increase our faith, all of us need our faith increased to trust you in every step of the way. But Lord, so many of us can testify you have been so faithful in so many ways for so many years. And Lord, your people are far too, far too quick to forget. We're just like Israel. We're far too quick to forget. With everybody's uh, heads bowed, eyes closed, I just want to encourage you to think a little bit. I'm not going to give an invitation. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But just to stop and think a little bit. Am I living my life in a way where God can show me what's next? Am I truly a living sacrifice? Am I keeping myself from being spotted by the world? Am I pursuing his word with all my heart? Am I praying? Am I talking to other people looking to get counsel for my life? Folks, all of us, that, that, that's, an, that's an attitude for all of our lives. And I want to encourage you this morning. If you're here this morning, you're saying, Corey, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think that's me right now. Well, here's the beauty of it. You can start at any moment. <laughs> He's waiting. And always listening. And he wants to show you what's next. His will does not have to be a mystery. Or perhaps this morning you're saying, well, I, Corey, I think I'm there. But I, there's still some things that just don't quite understand. And I want to encourage you this morning that even when things look desperate, that even when things look challenging, God has never left you. He does not forsake you. You have probably told yourself that already. But often small seeds of doubt plague us every now and then. And I want to encourage you this morning I'm going to just stop and be silent for a second and let you talk to God and ask yourself the question, where are you? Do I need to live my life in a way where he can show me what's next? Or perhaps do I just need to stay the course and keep pursuing my Savior with my whole heart? Now, Father, again, we just thank you for your grace. We thank you for calling yourself a a father, a relationship that that we we can understand and the closeness of it and the compassion and love and care of it. Lord, I pray that you would help all of us today to truly pursue you with our lives. And we thank you for your patience and your grace with us. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.